You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for Deadly Uncle Conversations. Hey everybody, I hope you are ready for today's episode. Today we've got Jason Bourgeois from Prince George, British Columbia. He is founder of the Sober Homies, which actually feeds a lot of the homeless and does a lot of community work. And I just heard that there was a documentary that was made on what uh, the Sober Homies do, and it got nominated at one of the film festivals here in Canada. That is so awesome. They do great work. And Jason is also a writer. So you're going to want to, you know, stick around and check it out because he's going to read a little bit of his poetry and tell you a little bit about his journey. Originally from Prince George, BC. I've been heading to what happened in my life. Uh, my childhood was a little unstable and unfortunate. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic. My dad wasn't around. I, I was in foster care by the time I was three. And I was bounced around a lot. More than, more than usual, and uh, kind of created some uh, self-esteem, or self-worth, uh, abandonment, neglect issues, and stuff like that, which uh, translated into some pretty, uh, pretty, uh, I would say, serious but noticeable behavior problems when I was younger. I, um, I, I noticed that uh, any attention was good attention at a young age, and I was always that kid that was always acting out, bullying, and uh, uh, yeah, I got no, all kinds of shenanigans when I was younger. Um, I actually. Uh, I had to see a psychologist in elementary school because I was acting out so much. I mm. thought I might have might have had a FASD or ADD or ADHD or PCP or DDD or MP3. <laughs> 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 well, whatever the hell yeah. they're giving you, yeah. you yeah. Your, your total uh, label said, yeah, 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 for sure. But, uh, yeah, just uh, I had a bit of a rough start. And, uh, yeah, I just it was, uh, like I said, unstable, unstable. I didn't really feel uh, grounded or safe. I felt like I was less than when I was, when I was in, walking to a room. I always put myself lower than everybody else because I didn't have a normal traditional upbringing with uh, mom and dad and the white picket fence in the house. And, the mm. stuff, so. Um, and so when you went to school, was it mostly with um, indigenous or was it mixed? Um, I think it was, uh, this is up in Prince George. Uh, I think there was uh, mostly Caucasian. But, uh, there was indigenous uh, children out there, um, but yeah, um, I don't know where to go from here. Um, well, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there with yeah, that question. Yeah, yeah. But um, so you were growing up in Prince George, and you were starting to go to school. That's where we're at now. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to recap where, where I'm at so I can understand. And you're going, you were going to school in like a public school. Yep. With, you know, oh, non-Indigenous yeah. um, and Indigenous students. Yeah, I was experimenting with drugs and alcohol at a young mm. age. I was uh, bringing beer to school. How was that presented to you? Well, what, oh. Tell us about what was the first uh, your first experience? Who, who presented that stuff to you? Pull your mics forward, just so, yeah, just yeah. so we can make sure that everybody yeah, gets there it. Yeah, there was a bit of alcohol use like, uh, with my auntie and uncle. I grew up with, um, it wasn't terrible, but it was there was drinking once in a while, and it wasn't always pleasant. But yeah, I had access to, they, they went on vacation one time and they left a six pack in the fridge and I, uh, I brought it to school thinking I was going to be cool and ended up getting me and my friends uh, buzz on in grade three, I think, which was not uh, average behavior, I don't think. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you even smoking cigarettes and marijuana and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I always had a bit of a 
rebellion in me. I don't know where it came from. Um, just that angst against the world. Uh, they say the first six years of a child's life are, are detrimental for forming their core beliefs and how they feel about the world and how they fit in. And that was always, uh, yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't know why I felt like I was, well, not to be in a victim mindset, but I just, at the time I was like, the heck would I do? You know, like, mm-hmm. But it is what it is. Um, I learned to kind of see it from a different angle now. We're all like we've all been through traumatic experiences. Uh, our stories are different, but our feelings are the same. I think um, I don't use it as an excuse or a crutch anymore. To uh, I pissed my life away for a long time. I loved to drugs and alcohol. Um, I guess I, in early age, I was um, experimenting with hard drugs in high school. And, um, yeah, I got addicted to crack cocaine in my early twenties, and then crystal meth beat the shit out of me for the last ten years. Um, I'm actually thirty one. It's clean. It's over today. Wow! So congratulations, Ooh. everybody out there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Round of applause. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a go. It's been a, it's it's, it's, it's exhilarating and exciting this life that I'm living now. Um, you wake up excited. Yeah, I uh, for a long time, like even when I was in addiction, I, 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 I was a career criminal. I was in and out of jail most of my twenties. Thought that's what I was worth. Thought that's who I was. I created this facade, this persona, uh, out of fear and out of uh, out of survival at the at the same time. And I was just uh, I was just a hurt, sad, lonely child at heart. I was just uh, using all that drugs in jail and crime in the streets and gangs and this and that all as a distraction or defense mechanism to uh, just put a bandaid on a bullet hole, I guess. Um, yeah. But. Um, that's a great line, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, we're songwriters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, With the like bandaid on a bullet hole, that's can, like, can I ask you a question? Like, people talk about addiction a lot. And like, Crystal meth. Not not a lot of people know a lot about it. We see what happens. Yeah. You know, when people get completely oh. to their breaking point, right? We see them on the streets, but we don't. People don't necessarily understand how you start here and end up there. Oh, you know, like, yeah, how does that happen? If you're if you're comfortable with talking. Oh yeah. Um, well yeah, I uh, like I said, I used drugs and alcohol as a way of fitting in. First uh, in high school, I was heavy into the weed, and then I started experimenting with mushrooms and acid. And, uh, in high school, I was hanging in Prince George in the hood, and I started hanging with some pretty rough characters, and uh, started acting up, trying to impress people, show them how hard I was and how solid, tough, and cool, and all that stuff. And then next thing you know, I was drinking and drinking more, more, skipping school, selling weed. Some other drugs. And, uh, yeah, just slowly I just became engulfed in that lifestyle. And, uh, jail became a regular occurrence. occurrence. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've done time in, I think, six different jails, two provinces. I haven't done federal time, but I've done probably about five years altogether. Just in and out, in and out, little rubby bits. Two weeks here, three months there, four weeks here, four months there. The longest I ever did was nine months, solid. But yeah, it just became, it was just a revolving door. And it just came to a point where I, something inside me was just not happy. And I just I remember I was sitting in Churchill one day. And uh, I just, the only two words, going, two phrases going through my head were, uh, I don't like who I am. And I don't like how I'm living. And I, I was just, a, I felt like just a burden on society. I was just a, just a zombie. I just, I just roamed the streets with bad intentions. And I didn't, I had nothing to be proud of. I was nobody to be proud of. Just that it was just I lived I lived at rock bottom. They talk about mm-hmm. rock bottom people hit rock bottom. I lived rock bottom for months at a time sometimes. 
this became this became something that I just didn't like. Something about inside me wanted to change. So um, something in myself believed in me, or, or I love myself enough to want to try and make some changes. So I have. Um, I don't think that I. I don't know that I have it. I, it's a one day at a time process. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself or think I got it mm -hmm. lit because that's when uh, get on the pink cloud of uh, just forgetting where you came from. I'm uh, one bad choice away, I'm one bad day away from uh, being back out there. Yeah. And I gotta keep humble and stay grounded and grateful for where I'm at today. So, but yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, what kind oh, of story? Oh, yeah, yeah. You went to, I was just asking you about Crystal oh, Meth. Yeah. Like, what led you to start using oh. it? Because you said you were addicted to crack, and then yeah. you um, eventually struggled yeah. with meth for 10 years. Like, for me, I've had a cousin who lost their life to meth, oh, yeah. another cousin that lives on the streets right now because of that drug. My brother. Fentanyl. Oh, so yeah. we're trying to like just for my own brain. I'm trying to like oh, yeah. understand like the process of how you end up from starting on it to going to where oh, you're yeah. in to like almost a psychosis. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's not a good time. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I would recommend it. Uh, yeah, it just uh, starts out as habitual, or not habitual, even social, just uh, hanging out, getting high, flailing around, and suddenly, slowly, it'll just become uh, become a lifestyle. You get to become physically dependent on it. And that's where it's terrifying, and it gets uh, all the damage it does to the human body and mind and spirit is just—it's it's like nothing I've. Well, it's like something I have experienced, but it's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's. Uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, just, what would the difference be between, like, say, crack and crystal meth? Oh yeah, it's. it's uh, I'd say crack would be the lesser of two evils, but I wouldn't recommend either of them. No, <laughs> and, and that's what the, yeah. that's what we hear. And, and like for people like like myself and Trent and our viewers here that have never um, tried either one, yeah. like we wouldn't know the difference. But we hear from the statistics, oh, yeah. Yeah. right? So uh, yeah, crystal meth is a whole other ball game. It's just just it keeps you awake. You got energy. It gives you this false sense of confidence and, and uh, motivation and ambition. But it's a short lived. It's a, mm -hmm. when, when you've been awake for you know, day two and three, it gets pretty interesting. You start seeing things and you start uh, hearing things and your mind starts going on you. And the thing about being on one is that you don't know that you're on one because your reality is you you believe what is going on in your mind. Which, uh, it's, it's, it's terrifying and it's saddening. Mm -hmm. it's, I see it on the streets all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, you gotta wonder like when you walk past somebody who's like they're trying to. You can see them trying to move. They're trying to walk forward, but they can't quite take yeah, a step. They're, right? um, and they're 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 in a like it, almost it, like a robotic paralyzing. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know. I've yeah, seen, that's 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 um, it's hard. It's very hard to eat and even drink water and sleep on that stuff. So you mm. the brain starts to dehydrate. Okay. Uh, literally, yeah, you get. Uh, Delusional and confused and disoriented, and it's just and even up to the point of uh, complete psychosis. Absolutely, yeah. People can lose their minds on that stuff. It's, wow. I mean, even even the, the elasticity in your brain takes a while to get back. Um, people that sober up, it takes a, a couple of years sometimes to even get your bearings back and, mm -hmm. uh, and to get your uh, your essence of who you are back. And it's uh, like your your humor and your creativity and your spark and your um, yeah, just your your your, your essence, because um, you're just that stuff. I think it's the, I think it's evil in its physical form. Like it's just people just change like that as soon as they do it. They become different people, and um, 
Yeah, I don't want to get into no next level. No, nope. yeah, 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 no, that's <laughs> that's, that's uh, that gives us yeah, yeah, gives us a, an idea, and it it almost reminds us of our, our of of indigenous people in their first relationship with alcohol. Yeah, and, you know how yeah. it was presented to them and stuff, and so what 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 led you to get to the you know start to even start for some of our listeners that might be curious and. Wondering how do I start, you know, the road to recovery. Road, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think you just have to. I mean, I don't suggest getting to rock bottom, but you have to come to a point in your life where you, like, I, I, I do. I go to a lot of twelve-step meetings, and step one is admitting that you're powerless and that your life has become unmanageable. So, I mean, once you get that in your head, that's that's the start of it. Uh, I think the first step in change is being aware of your own bullshit. I think so. Um, for me to admit that I wasn't in control anymore. Um, was a definite eye opener, and there's no there's no weakness in that at all. That's actually a very one of the strongest things you can do is to admit that you need help. Um, and I think you also have to find something in you that uh, you have to love yourself and believe in yourself and think that you're worthy of, of a better life. Um, I didn't have that for a long time. Like I said, I thought that's who I was and that's what I was worth. So I uh, yeah, just suggest uh, you know, just look in the mirror and look in like just. Talk, Get to know yourself and who you really are, not when you're high or drunk or, or um, you know, don't start thinking about questions like how do you, you know, how do you want to be remembered? You know, like, and, and, um, what are your goals and your dreams and your aspirations? And, and um, yeah, just just look inside. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I can say on that. Um, when you were on that uh, like recovery journey, was um, there any men? programs that you knew of or, or that you joined um, that helped you out? Um, yeah, like I, I go to a lot of calls that meetings. Um, but I also, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. I'm going to give you a book of my poetry and, uh, and um, I created a men's group actually. I'll show you this right here. It's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's the right time and place, but um, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. This um, is the right time. <clears throat> This is a project I created. It's called Real Talk. It's just, uh, I read you the preamble. It's just, um, it's kind of about what we're talking about right now. Beautiful. It just says, uh, this is, this is, this, this was written a few years ago. I'm going to make a few edits to it. It just says, uh, there seems to be a stereotype for men these days. The attitude or belief that real men don't cry or even share their feelings is still around and prevalent. A man expresses or shares that he's sad, lonely, insecure, depressed, afraid, as anxiety is overwhelmed isn't confident or shows any so-called weakness or any vulnerability, he gets seen as soft, a sissy, a wuss, or not a real man. I believe the opposite is true. Knowing that these negative attitudes and mistaken beliefs are the norm, and still being able to open up, let our guard down, and be real with each other is not only courageous, it's admirable. It shows a strength and depth of character that actually is a key ingredient in the characteristics of a real man. Before we're men, we're human beings, black, white, Asian, native, Métis, all the same race, the human race. Humans are by nature complex emotional beings. Probably asking where this guy going with all this. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce and invite and welcome you on the real talk. We are support and unity for survivors of the hard knock life. We are a poetry, spoken word, and storytelling community of like-minded people with both similar and diverse life experiences and knowledge, all with the intent to encourage, help, and heal each other. There are no charges, fees, or dues, actually. I think we've dealt with enough charges and paid more than our share of dues. <laughs> All we ask 
membership as they try to leave any negative attitudes, ego, and judgment behind and be willing and determined to work towards personal development as well as emotional growth and improvement in yourself and fellow men. Lead by example and no longer being part of the problem, but rather part of the solution. We as afflicted men need to encourage and push ourselves and each other to be the best men that we can be, not only for ourselves, but for our friends and family who genuinely care about and love us. My goal is for this concept to start a project that sets in motion a movement towards a much needed softening of culture among us. But for now, we'll have to settle for a few poems, an open ear to listen, some sound advice, art full of good intentions, and as much brotherly love as you need. Real recognizes real. You all look familiar. That, my friends, is real talk. We got this. Hey, that's awesome. Right on, brother. Awesome, bro. Yeah, really? I uh, something I came up with in jail. I, I, uh, I have poems about it. I, I was hosting it at Salvation Army when I was in treatment for about a year. I, 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 it's on pause right now. I haven't really put on that. It's kind of just on the back burner, but I'd like to bring it back. But yeah, it's just basically trying to end the stigma that, um, like I said, you know, real men, you know, part of being a man is being vulnerable and open uh, at certain, you know, when you're comfortable in, in, in a safe setting. Um, but yeah, I, there seems, like I said, there seems to be that stigma that real men don't cry or it's in music and culture and media. And, and, and uh, I'm just trying to uh, not change the world, but at least combat it. And I do my part to make, uh, to create connection. I think because they, they say that connection is the opposite of addiction. Um, I think that's what we're longing for when we're addicted. And if you can find a group of guys or even one or two guys where you can really just pull them aside and be like, listen, man, can we sit and have a real talk? I'm, I'm kind of going through some stuff. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I think that could, you can save lives doing that. And you, you can create uh, relationships that uh, can be lifelong. And um, when, you see, when you see someone else do it, that inspires you to do it too. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to change the world or save it, but I'm just trying to do my part. And, uh, that's where I'm sitting with that. And um, yeah, I started writing poetry in jail. Um, two dozen poems finished and completed. And we're kind of getting the book published and having TikTok. And I get a good response. Um, yeah, I like creating things. Like, even with that sober homies thing that I'm doing. And, um, For the listeners, what is your TikTok? Uh, oh, so uh, Jason B. the Poet. Jason, Jason B. the Poet. You know, and, and I think it's no no better time than any to uh, give you a gift here after your, you presented us this awesome, uh, you know, poetry of yours. And, you know, uh, I think Real Talk is a great idea. And I really hope to see you, you know, grow this and, and have an actual space where you can have men come together and do this thing. It's, it's just amazing. So here's our, our gift to you. You are definitely. Ed Deadly Uncle. <laughs> what I was going to say, and this is real talk for you on your, on your idea here as a project and everything. You should definitely pursue some arts grants, especially if you're sharing poetry and spoken word stuff mm -hmm. like you can get a grant to actually work this project you know yeah. they'll give you a chunk of money to do it every week or whatever so you can pay for a space you can pay for yourself and your time for creating it right to open that space for other men that need that kind of thing yeah. so i mean if that's something you're interested in talk to me after i've written grants before and i'll, yes, I'll definitely yes, um, give you some advice on where to get some of that moving if you want absolutely i love that um yeah, like I said, I go to a lot of toasted meetings, and uh, this would be some, something similar. It'd almost be like a sharing circle. We just sit around and just all guys just sit around and, and really just get to know each other and connect and build a family or community. Yeah. Um, uh, just solid guys that want to want to heal and grow and help each other. So 
So that's amazing. You know, like we've had guests on here that want to do these things, you know, exactly what you're talking about. Get men together, you know, to, to express themselves in a safe place to have like a healthy conversation. Judgment free. You know, yeah, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of what we're doing here in this space, you know. So I really like thank you for telling us your story and that. And, you know, I hope that I can get like, you know, Greg Garski, sorry, I'm thinking of his name on Facebook, Garski together. Garth Lacombe. Yeah, Garth Lacombe, yourself, uh, and also Curtis uh, Cardinal. He said, let's do a. Treats, yeah. yeah, TP Treats. He said, let's throw on a night where we have hockey, a bunch of men, where we just get a gym and. You know, to be active and, and get together and do those it's things. It's funny uh, that you said that. I was mentioning earlier about my, my sober homies group that I created. Uh, it's just a bunch of people in recovery that get together and we feed the homeless and uh, cook a couple gallons of soup and I got a family bannock and we buy socks and pop and chips and water and ready to eat food and we, and we get together once a week and we, and we go do God's service work, creative service work. And um, But yeah, that's what I wanted to do originally was uh, I wanted sober homies to be more of a just get people together to do sports and fun and recreation stuff because a big part of recovery is is meeting new people and uh, finding ways to spend uh, healthy ways to spend your yeah. time surrounding yeah. yourself with yeah, so that's, people that's that are trying of, to do the same right? yeah, uh, yeah that's one of the biggest hurdles i think in early recovery is uh is uh people places and things you gotta you gotta, you gotta eliminate a lot of people that are uh, unhealthy for you and mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a while to see who isn't who isn't mm -hmm. um, but yeah if anybody out there is looking uh it's uh, the Edmonton Sober Homies on Facebook. Um, I built it grew it grew fast. Like it, uh, it's only been going for a couple months. I got 450 people on there already. Right, right on, on, man. We meet every Sunday at Lucky 97. Uh, you can't miss us. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna make it there that last time. I, I oh, hope that I'm gonna make I, it I, out. I would love know? to have you there. Yeah, we'll come. Uh, we'll come sing some songs. That's, over exa there. that's exactly it too. You know? I, uh, I know we're Lucky 97. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I was actually thinking of you. Um, I had your mind. I, I want to incorporate. Like we do just basic like food and, and a bit of socks and some clothing stuff, but I'd love to have uh, spiritual warriors like yourself um, come and maybe like drum or sing or you said play the flute or, or um, also maybe we could bring some sage and get smudge and mm -hmm. pray for them. And uh, mm -hmm. um, I think I think um, I think that's it. It's, uh, leaving a lasting spiritual footprint is, is, is what it's about. And uh, make it, making them feel human and making them feel heard and seen mm -hmm. um, is, is really what. We're here on this earth for, I think. Um, I get kind of caught up sometimes in, uh, you know, material, superficial, earth, earthly, worldly things, and I forget that. Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I got to get out of myself and get back. And uh, it helps me with my sobriety. It helps uh, other people. Uh, I can be a light, or, or you know, maybe uh, bring somebody on board to recovery, or even just volunteering, or it's a drop in the bucket, but it's, it's something. I'm just, I'm just trying to do my part. Well, each drop in the bucket, even if it's not in a bucket, if it's in the ocean yeah. or whatever, so it's one little wave, right? And even if you can get two or three people that are thinking the way you are, maybe they can inspire somebody else, and maybe you create a domino effect. Yeah. And that's the best thing that you can ask for is just putting those good intentions out into the universe and just hoping that your good intentions will keep moving forward through other people. And, like, I was going to ask you a question. When you started um, in recovery and stuff, did you explore spirituality at all? And what kind of things yeah, did you do there? Um, and was still, that a part of your life? And, oh yeah, I, I'm still, still, I'm still on a journey. Um, I grew up uh, going to 
uh, Christian and uh, I, I, present day, I, I might uh, glance at the Bible every now and then and I go to church once in a while and I, uh, I smudge a few times a week. I, I probably should do it more. Um, I go to sweats every now and then. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find myself that way. I don't think there's a wrong or a right. Um, I don't think that there, I think, I think we're all, I, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very personal, intimate, private thing between me and creator. And, um, and, and your journey is yours, mine is mine. I think, I think we're all looking for the same thing. So, um, and yeah, like I said, there's no right or wrong. And it's, I'm, I'm still a, a toddler in recovery. And even in life till I am, I'm almost 40. I'm still learning daily, which I think that's, yeah, that's constant learning is, uh, is uh, should be like, because the day that I think I know everything is um, <laughs> that's a day you're yeah. in trouble. For sure. I think we've all faced yeah. that in our lives. Right? We get humbled quick, man, when we do, yeah, for sure. But yes, um, I explored many. Uh, like I've been in jail for a while, and I did some readings, and I looked into uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, and I read some of the Bible, and uh, even mindfulness and meditation and horoscopes and all sorts of like. I, I kind of doubt. I, I kind of look at everything and kind of make my own concept of higher power. I, I, I pray to the creator, God. Um, yeah, the yep. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's just where it is. I think it's uh yeah, it's just it's uh just keep 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 praying, keep reading, keep learning, keep smudging, just do what you do, do whatever whatever works for you. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I totally agree and I connect with that like through uh, doing my screening for my film they found us it was you know, there was some stipulation between the church, oh, absolutely, and between yeah. uh, the, of, uh, the traditional, and especially on my reserve. So I was like, you know, my brother, he's a born-again uh, person, and myself, I'm more of a traditional person. And so I, on my flute, I play flute. So I played the, the flute, and it was a traditional song. And then I played Amazing Grace after this. Right. And I was like, you know, my brother believes in something that, that I don't believe in. But we can sit at the same table, still have dinner, still be family, still have that connection, right? And it kind of, uh, you know, uh, gave me that idea to to start something new. And, and that's one of the things that, that we're talking about is, you know, uh, a safe space for, you know, Indigenous people to pray uh, within in every major city across Turtle Island. And I just wanted to know, what is what do you think? Do you think that... Uh, there should be a space for indigenous people, kind of like churches and mosques and those you know, types of things. What's funny is, uh, I actually, yeah, the the Christianity, Christianity and indigenous seems to be one or the other, or, or like they're different. But, uh, I actually went to this place called uh, oh, it was a church that uh, you actually smudge when you go in, and then there's a church service. I can't remember the name of it. It's down right, it's down right in the hood, on ninety six, I think. Mm-hmm. You know the name of it? I'm not I'm sure. Not I know sure. They, there's a church right down there, though, right by yeah, Lucky 97, um, just up the street. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. It, it kind is, of a yes, block across the park there. Then there's a church on the corner. I can't remember the name. Sacred Heart. Is the name that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So they have smudging, you're saying. Yeah, and then it's, it's a church service. In. You go and you smudge, and then there's also a church service. So it's like to see the two. That's nice. It's like, wow, it felt odd, and it felt, uh, well, it's, I've never really 
I've seen that before. There seems to be a bit of disconnect between the two. There was because of the that, stuff that happened. That was like my Kokum's funeral. Like there was yeah. people smudging and singing, and then there was a priest there as well. Yeah. yeah, to do his part of the service. And that's how my my like my my Mushum was like a, a medicine person, yeah. right? And he was a, a, a drummer. But my my Kokum was was a Catholic. Yeah. You know, and he says, you know, we have children. We have thirteen children. He said, whoever wants to follow my way, that's okay. But if you want to pray in your mom's way, that's okay too. Because just like you said, those prayers are going to the same yes, you know, yes, to, yes, the, exactly. to the same person, to the same your same energies, you know, it's it's all and it's just, you know, finding out um, why uh, there's such a, a disconnect between indigenous and different belief systems, you know. It's 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 a long hard battle that we're yeah this whole you know, other hour conversation yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it totally yeah. is and the, it inspired a new documentary actually it's going to be called in the name of, uh, of of father son grandmother moon and it's going to be talking about exactly that and the, we've begun uh, in our travels and I'm just starting to take videos of all the churches that we have in 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 different cities and, and, and the amount of, of money that must have been put into those buildings to, you know, see what, what they are now is just, just amazing. And I just hope to see that we have something similar with, with indigenous people as well. So yeah, just, just a, yeah, um, a crazy, crazy ride for sure. Yeah. I think it's, there's no time like the present to heal. Um, I noticed that there is still a lot of anger and hurt and stuff from stuff that happened in the past and it's absolutely warranted and it is it's like i and it's it's time to uh accept not appreciate in a good way but just honor it and just uh, heal and and and, yeah. and come together and just uh because like there's yeah it's there's that, was, that, was, that stuff that happened was just brutal and it was terrorist yeah so i understand that there's a lot of hurt and pain and, and and it happened for a long time, so it's going to take a long yeah, time for yeah, everybody not, to heal. Not, and we have to remember that, right? Like, yeah. it's gonna, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I said, that's a whole another two-hour talk we have. With you. Um, <laughs> it is. And that's why we do these things. So, you know, when real talk comes out, we'll, we'll be able to, you know, all, all sit together and and, you know, have those things, you know, like, I think it's amazing. Yeah, this, These this, type of conversations. This is, uh, yeah, this is open. This isn't, there's no, this isn't Christianity based. This isn't indigenous. This is everyone. Like you said, everyone's welcome. Everyone's, open. Um, yeah. Open. That's what I'm trying to be. Uh, that's the new way, you know, yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I think yeah, it we is. Have to, we have to, like our brother here, his, his belief system, he doesn't yeah. talk about it much, but. You know, I, I respect it as well. Yeah, you know? I'm an atheist. I don't, and I, you know, I grew up with an indigenous father and a non-indigenous mother, and my mother's a Christian. You know, people in my family believe in traditional teachings, but I just, you know, this is who I am, and I'm like you. These are our personal beliefs, and I respect your beliefs. I don't try to change your beliefs, and I would hope people would respect my beliefs and not trying to change mine. So that's why I don't talk about religion, because I learned a long time ago from my dad that things you don't want to talk about, especially if you're drinking, yeah, politics, religion, money, women, you know, like, let's stay off those topics and everybody can have a good time. But it just is interesting that, 
you know, we're fine sitting here being able to have a, a healthy conversation about religion, even though maybe all three of us believe in slightly different things, yeah. we can still all be friends. We can yeah. still all agree yeah. to be, you know, men, men that are healing. Yes, that's if our parents, if our parents were affected by the residential Absolutely. school, which I'm sure all three of us are, we're healing. We're in the midst of healing. We're in the midst of finding who we are, you know, as as human beings, and like the elders say, we can live four or five lifetimes and not know our full yeah. culture. Yeah, you know, like and that's the beauty of culture and religion and all those things is you don't necessarily have to believe in those things to respect them or partake in them and yeah. enjoy like the tradition of it. Like yeah. I've been to a sweat lodge before, I've been yeah. to different ceremonies before, and I respect that because my ancestors did that for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that? everything about praying in your own way maybe but for me no you know mm -hmm. like but i still respect it and i'll still do it and honor that tradition because it's been there for five like since time immemorial yeah. and there are important things for our younger people to experience so those things never die you know? yeah yeah for sure yeah i don't know what that noise was no, Oh, I think it's your actually, it's the uh, dishwasher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we're just here to shit. <laughs> so but what's yeah. next for you, Ben? Yeah, what do you got going on? Oh. Yeah, like I was just doing concrete uh, for the summer. I was uh, just laboring, breaking my back. I got laid off uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm just enjoying some time off. Uh, next is uh, I like to keep working. I like money. But yeah, as far as like, now is a perfect time for me to really push my men's group, my poetry, uh, the sober homies. Like I, um, I applied for EI, so I might uh, take the winter to hibernate, just sit on EI and push my other stuff, uh, work full time on that stuff. Um, but yeah, I got goals and dreams. I got my to, my, my to-do list is, it's, it's sizable. I'm, I'm constantly, like one of my, th couple things I have to work on is my, 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 my self-discipline for my, my diet and my, uh, <laughs> financial and my, uh, I, I got some stuff to work on, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I'm, like, I'm, this is the first time in my life that I've really been this happy and content and healthy and able to really make a push and, and create something or, or chase my goals and dreams and aspirations and stuff. So I have to really focus on what I really want to put my energy and time into. Um, I have no shortage of, shortage of ideas, um, projects. But yeah, I, I gotta I gotta figure out what I'm doing next time. Just kind of living day to day. I just like I said, I do a lot of mo uh, poetry and, and meetings and, and service work and volunteering in the gym, and I just stay busy doing good things. That's um, beautiful. Um, well, the more good things you do, the more good things that will come to you. So yes. just and you know, honestly, do like, do, I honestly think that uh, I'm with Trent um, on. I think you belong doing this work here. You know what I mean? And I would definitely sit down with Trent, you know, and talk about a grant to have you do this work full time. To have you and it's not to, to put money in your pocket, but it's to help you be successful in what you're trying to do. You know? Yes, um, and and it's there's and it's about there's, opening doors for other yeah, there's, too, there's money know, like out here. there for this and we must take advantage as as artists and as 
you know, people who are, are, are writers, uh, people who are in film, people who are singers and songwriters and those type of things. Because even the elders say that we are uh, a big part of the healing and what's next in our journey. So I would definitely make this a reality. And yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, uh, that's the logo that I want to show, show the listeners. Yes. But, uh, yeah, like with, with the sober homies right now, we, we we're starting to make tea. Like we're all self-supporting right now. We're we're we're, we're running all the ourselves. We we're starting to sell T-shirts and we're starting to knock on doors to get partnerships and, and stuff with stores mm-hmm. to alleviate some of the financial stresses. But yeah, this you get. I could put that on a T-shirt. I could build a men's group. Like I could turn it into something. Like it would be a weekly meeting where we all meet together and we all just. Just do what we do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's much like this. Yeah. And it could be, you know, it could be a sharing circle or a meeting format, or it could be just. Uh, and you already have the vision, so actually, when you apply for a grant, you're just basically writing down what you just said and say, "This is what I want to do, yeah. and this is what it's going to cost me." You know, I need to, you know, I need to rent a space once a week for this many weeks or whatever, right? And there's money out there to allow you to do that, and yeah. I mean, you might as well take advantage of it because if you're sharing poetry and you're sharing stories. I mean, that's a huge part of Indigenous, tradi- like, storytelling is a huge part of our cultural traditions and that, you know, that'll qualify you for other grounds to do with that type of thing, you know, like, because you're helping people heal. So, I mm-hmm. mean, like... Even us sitting here with our guests, like, uh, you know, I feel like it's a healing hour for us. And we got to actually give a shout out to Edmonton Arts Council because yeah. they made this podcast possible they gave us they gave Kurt a grant to develop this podcast I've been helping him with it since the start and yeah without that initial like um, input of money we wouldn't have been able to do all this yeah exactly and you know without without them being there yeah this wouldn't have been possible so yes thank you thank you for thanking them and uh, you know thank you for coming on man you want to end with a poem for you guys no I would love that yeah that'd be awesome um, I wrote this one in jail. It's kind of a, a prayer slash conversation between me and the guy upstairs. Um, this one's called The Talk. Dear God, can we talk? I feel weary and pained. I need the warmth of your grace, cold and wet from the rain. I'm 39 years old. So far, it's been a rough go. I've made a fortune doing wrong and have only scars left to show. I sit and I read the last 20 years of my story. I really messed up, Father. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. They say it takes pain to make you appreciate life's pleasure. I've spent enough time feeling worthless. Can you please help me feel treasured? On account of my guilt, I feel our relationship has been broken, as though we are father and son. It's been so long since we've spoken. I got lost in the past life. So many places I've roamed. But the prodigal son, I feel unworthy. Father. I want to come home. I know you're there waiting. I want so bad to embrace you. Please give me strength and humility and courage to face you. You are pure love and forgiveness. I need not fear your hand. Father and son, forevermore, my hand in yours, and I stand. Amen. Some good writing. I, I think I, I heard about 10 songs in this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank coming on. Yes. Yeah, you're, yes, you're a deadly uncle. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you. Yes, right there. Awesome. awesome. You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast, a safe space for Deadly Uncle conversations. <laughs>